traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I guess we got to make plans, right? Nuclear Armageddon is here. Joe Biden said so. <laughs> Uh, at a fundraiser, he actually said that, uh, yeah, we're the closest we've been to nuclear Armageddon. Now, Armageddon, isn't that a, uh, where does that term come from? It's an ancient term, right? Biblical, right? Armageddon, the end of the world, really. Thanks, Joe, for the pep talk. Uh, you had a great hand in this, by the way, bringing the world to this uh, unstable state. Nuclear Armageddon? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, look, accidents can happen, but... I think that would be a you know a bomb here, an EMP there. That would be devastating. But we're not going to have all out a nuclear holocaust. That's not that's not in the cards right now. It's just not. Why would he say something like that? Maybe maybe Dick Morris is right. He wants to create a uh, a wag the dog, or as he called it, a wag wag dog situation, because uh, Putin wants to generate a crisis to enhance his power, and so he remains in power, and and Biden wants to do the same thing. So. He was at a fundraiser, and he actually said, "Do we? I don't think we have it on tape because these fundraisers they like to keep the reporters out of it, you know, where uh, things leak out. You know, a lot of rich people will tell you what happened, and he's in there uh, warning everybody. I could just see him doing this, you know, tough guy, tough guy Joe, meeting all these rich people, and he wants to impress them, right? And Joe always wants to be on their level because he is one money hungry guy. Oh boy." And uh, he's the president. He wants to flaunt it. Yeah, we're close to nuclear Armageddon. This is just a way to impress the girls, probably, really. But um, this is the worst time, this is the worst time in Soviet or, I guess, Russian-American relations since the Cuban Missile Crisis, he said. That's a long time ago. That was 60, about 60 years ago. Uh, what about when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan in 1980? Who remembers that? I remember... <laughs> Oh, man, Lenoid Brezhnev and uh, Jimmy Carter, they were saying vicious things about each other. I mean, that felt like I think we were at DEFCON 4. We were moving on up the ladder. Who remembers the movie? Oh, what was it called? It was on TV, TV, made for TV movie. The Day After with Jason Robards. Uh, there's a nuclear holocaust. Everything's gone. And this was really in the air, like you never know. You know, it could just all go up in smoke if uh, the Russians really get mad at us or we get mad at the Russians and there's nuclear combat. It would be total war and life on Earth would cease to exist. That's Armageddon. We don't need to hear this from Joe Biden right now, okay? We don't need to uh, know. And when he does mention things like this, it is a reminder of his own uh, utter and total complete incompetence. It's worse than incompetence. What is it? Dereliction of duty? What is it? Madness? What is it? Uh, malpractice? I don't know. What's worse? It's it just everything that's go that can go. All the things that can go wrong are going wrong, but not like you know circumstance. These are decisions, decision after decision after decision. They are screwing up 
Then again, you know that Barack Obama and uh, Susan Rice, they don't believe in America. They would love to see American prestige and power diminished. I really believe that, actually. Uh, they have this weird kind of, you know, global equality kind of worldview, and someday we'll all, I don't know. But this is uh, obviously not an America first agenda. It's an American last agenda. Hey, you know what's really going to hurt us? The the fixation on weed, on marijuana. You know, we all know the Russians don't fool around with this stuff, right? Isn't that basketball player still in jail over there? <laughs> uh, I would love to see her come home. I, I really would. But uh, that's what happens when you mess with marijuana in Russia. They throw you in jail for a long time. Same goes for China. You ever hear Trump talk about that? Oh, no. He, he has this whole dialogue he has with President Xi. President Xi, tell me about your drug problem. Oh, we have no drug problem. What do you mean no drug problem? Well, we, we, we sentence the drug dealers to death. Imagine that. The death penalty. It works. It works. Anyway, they have minimal to zero drug problem. In America, we have a big one. The fentanyl, the heroin, and all that stuff. But what about the stuff that is now universally embraced just about? Marijuana. Everyone's smoking it. No one is smoking. Our adversaries don't smoke that stuff. And I can tell, believe me, I know people close to me, all right, who are smoking that stuff. All right, I, I just, and it destroys you. You may not think it does, but it does. Oh, I know it. I know it. And somebody said, well, it relaxes me, man. Well, you know what? A little bit of anxiety in your life is a good thing. God put it there for a reason, to make you hustle, all right? To, to, anything wrong with a little bit of hard work? A little bit of worry is actually a good thing, folks. Now, people tell me that, uh, well, Joe Biden didn't legalize it. He just, uh, well, what did he do? Apparently, there's almost nobody in jail that gets released based on this. But uh, where is he? Uh, President Biden. Cut two, please. Cut two. First, I'm announcing a pardon for all prior federal offense, federal offenses for the simple possession of marijuana. There are thousands of people who are convicted for marijuana possession who may be denied employment, housing or educational opportunities as a result of that conviction. My pardon will remove this burden on them. Second, I'm calling on all governors to do the same for state marijuana possession offenses. Third, the federal government currently classifies marijuana as a Schedule I substance, the same as heroin and LSD, and more serious than fentanyl. It makes no sense. So I'm asking the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Attorney General to initiate a process to review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. All right. He's talking pretty fast. I didn't catch all the details, but I'm pretty much convinced that I can smoke pot now anywhere I want in America. Okay, may not be able to smoke it on a military base, but that sounded pretty permissive to me. Now, we did not legalize it, to be sure, but it reminds me of when Bill Bratton held up that big bag of weed and said, uh, you can have this much marijuana. You can have this much marijuana and uh, walk around the city with it, but you can't smoke it. (laughs) <laughs> okay, whatever, sure. <laughs> uh, the message was, uh, you can smoke this stuff. And now everyone is. And I'll tell you, I'm, I don't want to re- reveal too much. I'm not going to, I can't say too much because um, they're alive and out there and they know me. And I, I, But I know two people, long-time habitual pot smokers. I've known them for a long time. And I have seen the decline in their work, in their... 
level of accomplishment, their status, everything has declined. Everything about them has declined. Now, I'm sure they've never felt better. But I'm telling you, they're not improving. They're they're taking major steps backwards. Now, first it starts small, and then it uh, – so I think it's a nowhere – road to nowhere. What is technically Armageddon? Let me know if you can. Hey, have you heard about this new trend? It's uh, It's a real thing. It's called quiet quitting, quiet quitting. And I, I've been hearing about it a lot. The, the, the Wall Street Journal says the phrase is generating millions of views on TikTok as some young professionals reject the idea of going above and beyond in their careers, labeling their lesser enthusiasm a form of quitting. It isn't about getting off the company payroll, these employees say. In fact, the idea is to stay on it, but focus your time on the things you do outside of the office. The videos range from sincere ruminations on work-life balance to snarky jokes. Some set firm boundaries against overtime in favor of family. Others advocate coasting from 9 to 5, doing just enough to get by. Many want to unfeather their careers from their families. Of course, every generation enters the workforce and quickly realizes that having a job is not all fun and games. Navigating contemptible bosses and the petty indignities that have always been inflicted on the ranks of working stiffs has never been easy. <laughs> that's a, that's one hell of a sentence, isn't it? And there are a lot of petty indignities in life, but you got to suck it up, all right? I've never had a contemptible... Well, I had one. Uh, two? Any, uh, and many people who say when they're young that they don't care about climbing the corporate ladder, they end up changing their minds. The difference now is that this group has TikTok and hashtags to emote, and these 20-somethings join the work world during the COVID-19 pandemic with all of its dislocating effects, including blurred boundaries between work and life. Many workers say they feel they have power to push back in the current strong labor market. Recent data from Gallup shows employee engagement is declining. Look, I can't stand this stuff. It's happening all over the place. When you're at work, you might as well give it your all. What the hell else are you going to do? You're going to just coast and get by? Most people are doing that. Absolutely. Um, but if you really put, you really go for it, you set yourself apart. And I learned this from Gene Simmons, actually. You know, and I wonder what he would think about quiet quitting. But he's a big advocate of uh you know, you give your boss 40 hours a week and then you give yourself 20 hours a week to pursue your passion, whatever it is, go for it. Most people go out Friday night, not most, but a lot, you know, they stay up late. Maybe they drink so they can sleep. They sleep late on Saturday and they're kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to their life. You're going to give your best, most productive hours to some boss. Yet when it comes to your life, you give yourself short shrift. Isn't that, that's kind of interesting. And I, I just, Gene Simmons, what does he play? The bass guitar for Kiss, right? It, it's interesting about Gene Simmons. He's like the backup. He's a, he's the most charismatic member of the band, but I don't think he's the lead singer. And he plays, he plays the, I don't think he plays the guitar. I think he plays the bass, which is not as prestigious and not as cool. Hey, we got a problem with, uh, I mean, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Kathy Hochul in a second first. You know where Biden made that comment about Armageddon and we're on the verge of it uh, at a fundraiser. And I believe that James Murdoch, son of Rupert, 
You know, the people who brought you Fox News. What the hell is James Murdoch doing throwing Joe Biden a fundraiser? The Murdochs throwing the Bidens a fundraiser. It's all about money for these people. You know, it's just a game. We're little pawns. How about that? What do they stand for? What do they believe in? Their own power and profitability. If they believed in America, there's absolutely no way they'd be backing up Joe Biden. Now, maybe they're just afraid of being labeled racist. Okay, there are a lot of people out there. You know, it's the worst thing you could. It used to be the worst thing you could say about somebody. Now it's just a joke. It's an absolutely meaningless word. Somebody disagrees with you, they say you're a racist. Um, uh, Murdoch's, they got some explaining to you, don't you think? Um, uh, let me take to, let me talk to Peggy real quick in Flushing. Hi. Yeah, hi, hi, Greg. You know how um, Biden says he's the best since doing this since J, uh, FDR, and then he did the best this since LBJ? You know? Yeah. I, maybe he wants to say uh, sometimes, oh, I got us out of the best, uh, I mean, the most scariest nuclear threat since um, JFK in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Hmm. Yeah, he's talking himself up. He's talking the situation up so he'll look like a hero. And he also wants people to rally around, think more about uh, – conflict with russia than inflation okay conflict yeah. with uh, a potential nuclear calamity rather than thinking about the crime we see all around us the very real yeah. situation it's another it's a move at distracting us and by the way it doesn't come close to the um to the uh, cuban missile crisis i mean that thing and cuba was 90 miles away as a colleague of mine pointed out today tom very smart guy he you know, people are not going to be scared people are not going to fall for it and if that's his that just might be his plan. It ain't going to work. Peggy, thank you very much. And, uh, oop, give me a moment. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, you know, come to think of it, I really got to give Dick Morris a lot of credit. Dick Morris, the presidential advisor, consultant, uh, you know, he said, he said to me uh, earlier this week that Joe Biden at some point is going to hype the hell out of uh, the nuclear stuff that, uh, Putin's been talking about because he wants a wag the dog scenario. Now, Armageddon is the end of the world. Uh, looked it up here. It's, uh, oh, it's in, yeah, it's in the book of Revelation in the New Testament. Um, and on Air Force One, the press secretary just said there is no new intelligence that shaped the president's use of the term Armageddon discussing Putin and nuclear weapons at that fundraiser last night. Uh, uh, however, I don't think it was an accident. Uh, they want to talk this stuff up, rally around the commander in chief. This is what Dick Morris, and he said this earlier this week. How about that? Dick Morris strikes again. Uh, now, hey, did you hear about the, what's his name yet? Kanye West, or you, I'm just going to call him Kanye. All right, so he made a big splash the other day. He wore the White Lives Matter shirt along with Candace Owens. Okay, yeah, I love it. What the hell? Of course they matter. Oh, but, oh, no, 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 no. The New York Times says that's hate speech. The New York Times, the fashion editor, said, oh, what's he doing? That's hate speech. Some, some, I, forgive me, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but some white woman is telling Kanye West that white lives matter is hate speech. Uh, Vanessa Friedman wrote this. I, I, so he's on with Tucker last night. Uh, yeah, let me hear something, please. So the answer to why I wrote White Lives Matter on a shirt is because they do. It's the obvious thing. That's it? All right. What else did he say? He must have said something else. 
Week's Fashion Week you just landed, and yeah. the lanyard's still on from it, and there's a photograph on it. What is that? It's a photograph of a baby's ultrasound. Why is that? And that you designed that? Yes. Why? What does that mean? Uh, it just represents life and pro-life. Boy, so you wear it on a badge. What, what kind of response do you get? And, and good, amen, I agree. I don't care about people's responses. I care about the fact that there's more black babies being aborted than born in New York City at this point. That 50% of black death in America is abortion. So I really don't care about people's responses. I perform for an audience of one, and that's God. Holy cow. When's the next Kanye concert? I'm going. <laughs> I love this guy. Uh, that is an astonishing statistic, and he's right. More black babies are aborted than are born in New York City. Huh? Yeah, it's true. Um, all right, let me hear a little bit more. Kanye West on Fox News with Tucker Carlson. How close was she to the Clintons? I mean, cell phone away, like, or, hey, tell Ye to say this away, or, Wait, stop. hey. Who's she talking about? Is he talking about Kim Kardashian? His, oh, he's all caught up about her. He also said some pretty weird stuff about language and, uh, you know, black people should be speaking a different language, it sounded like to me. And it's like somehow racist that we're speaking English. But uh, uh, but a lot of what he's saying is uh, very powerful and very true. And you know what? This guy moves the needle. He can move the needle on this conversation. This guy might be. Huh. Forget Barack Obama. Maybe this guy can make changes. I mean, real changes. Let me hear the rest. Or, hey, tell Ye to say this away or, hey, go out and use your platform to push uh, the vaccination away. I mean, not away, but like stick the away part. But you do know. you feel like at times you were manipulated by political forces through your wife? Attempt manip- manipulation. But yes, there was some manipulation. Me not saying I like Trump. Yeah. was a, a form of uh, a manipulation. For sure. Yeah. Why did you like him, by the way? You said you liked him early, like you saw him. In... I mean, uh, I, I keep telling this joke. If people say Trump was the first black president, I'm going to be the first Latino president because all the values, the, the conservative values just line up. Come on, man, Trump's the sh- What do you mean? He has his own buildings. <laughs> Kanye? Kanye, I'm impressed. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You ever have uh, Hal's New York Seltzer? Hal's New York Seltzer. It's everywhere. You, it's great. They're flavored. Um, but you open them, it's like a hand grenade. I mean, it's just the, there has to be a big warning. Watch out. You got to open it very, very slowly with the delicacy of a, uh, you know, a bomb diffusal uh, diffusion expert. What do you call it? Uh, diffusing the bomb. Yeah, the, diffu- the bomb squad. You got to be like a bomb squad when you open this stuff. Hey, we didn't talk about this, but I did mention it yesterday. The, the report in the Washington Post that um, federal agents believe that they have enough evidence to charge Hunter Biden um, for lying on a, an application for buying a handgun. You can get in trouble for that. He said he wasn't a drug user, but he was a drug addict back in 2018 when he signed the uh, application and also for tax violations. Now, everybody was jumping up and down saying, oh, my gosh, wow, he's finally in trouble. I said um, this is in a weird way. This is a good sign for Hunter Biden because this is not this is not the real big stuff that we know he did. All right. This is the. 
the stuff that, pardon me, lobbying for a country like uh, like Ukraine, representing China's interests over America's, the connection he had with his father, 10% for the big guy, excuse me, um, all that stuff. I think it's under the uh, F-A-R-A. Uh, it's a much more serious crime. And that seems to be off the table at this point. This is uh, Miranda Devine. She is fantastic from the New York Post. And let's just go through this. Uh, Miranda says, yeah, Miranda agrees with me that this is, yeah, if, if he gets a, this is a sign that he just might get away with it, actually. He may just get away with it. And that it looks like a wrist slap. A wrist slap might be in the, in the, in the making here. Now, let's go to a former federal prosecutor. He is terrific, Andrew McCarthy. He's got some deep thoughts on this. I, do you ever, nobody ever regrets going to law school, but a lot of people regret not going to law school. Have you ever noticed that? I should have been a lawyer, but nobody really regrets going to law school. Give me a moment on that. Uh, oh, uh, Eric Adams is just trying to, um, uh, we ha- he already has a crisis, the crime crisis. He doesn't want to do anything about that. He only wants to focus on those migrants. And why does he focus on that? Because the national media, the national mainstream Democrat media, they love it. They don't like talking about crime. They like talking about this. It's an opportunity for Eric to get on television. And here he does. Here he goes. He strikes again. Cut 34. Today, I am declaring a state of emergency in the city of New York and issuing an executive order. This executive order will formally direct all relevant agencies to coordinate their efforts to construct the humanitarian relief centers. We have a state of emergency. It's the crime situation. A state of emergency to build the the tents? That's what he said? And now what's next? Got 35? New Yorkers are angry. I am angry, too. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. This responsibility was simply handed to us without warning as buses began showing up. New Yorkers are angry about a lot of things. I've not heard anybody mention the migrants to me. I just, I haven't heard about it. Have you? Are people, they're talking about crime. And if you look at these people, they're not the people who just got here. They're, they, they've been around for a while. Some of them, a lot of them, born and raised, born and bred New Yorkers. And since they canceled law enforcement, essentially, well, some New Yorkers are angry. I am angry. Ewick is angry. (laughs) All right, I got to give him credit. Mark Simone, dear friend of mine, you know him on the radio. He did this. (laughs) It is the best Eric Adams impression. Ewick, I'm Ewick, Ewick. I couldn't. It's true. He doesn't really say Ewick, but it does kind of sound like it, right? Somehow it works. Give me one more. Cut 36. There's no playbook for this, no precedent. But despite all this, our city's response has been nothing short of heroic. Nothing short of heroic. Just ask him. What are you talking about? What did you have to do? You you tried to build a tent. You, you, You called all the cameras. Everybody came and watched you set it halfway. And then you had to take it down because you put it in the stupidest place in the world, right next to the beach. Oh, screw you. Screw you. You're a camera hog and a clothes horse. And you're an ignoramus. I don't like that word, ignoramus. You just don't know anything. You're stupid. You really are. 
This is the opportunity of a lifetime, and people could really, really benefit from some hard work right now, bring in some experts, people who really know what the hell they're doing, who could turn this city around again. It's been done before. It's been done before. Spence in Westchester, hello. Never mind, hello. Spence. Oh, yeah, there you are. What's up? Yeah, it's Vince. Vince. Well, they wrote Spence. So what else? What do you got? Okay. No worries, Greg. You were, you wanted to know about uh, the term Armageddon, where it comes from. Yeah, I already addressed that. Oh, you already addressed it. All right. How about uh, the edibles? The uh, I agree with you 100% about the marijuana problem. Um, I'm a police officer in southern Westchester County, and when we go to aided cases, I, I've lost track of how many have we've gone to for adults taking uh, THC edibles and uh, pretty much ending up like zombies. So I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, the edibles. Somehow they think you're supposed to eat the whole candy bar. You're not supposed to. You eat a little, 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 little piece. Uh, but you can have a total psychotic episode if you have too much of that uh, candy bar, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they have no idea what they're taking or, or how much they're taking. So, yeah, you're completely right. About 10 it's years ago, long. about 10 years ago, I took a big hit of uh, of a joint. I have no idea what the hell was in it, probably more than marijuana. I had a psychotic experience. Number one, you know that song by Weekend, I Can't Feel My Face? Well, that's a terrifying feeling when you can't feel your face. It really is. And I became so paranoid, I almost called the police to come to my apartment to help me. I was just so, oh, gosh, it was terrible. It was one of the worst so experiences. They don't know how much they're taking. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, it's not regulated. They don't know what they're taking. And uh, when they don't like the feeling that they get from it, they freak out and they call the police. That's exactly what happens. And by the way, um, you know, it's not approved by the FDA. <laughs> All this medical no, marijuana everyone's taking, it's not approved by the FDA. How about that one? Thanks, Spence. Frank has something to say about marijuana. What's up? Hey, Greg. What I wanted to say was these people he's releasing, he wants released from prison because of possession. These people weren't only guilty of possession. You can bet that the vast majority of them plea bargained down to possession. They were involved in a lot more than possession in most cases. Probably selling. Maybe they had a gun. Who knows what they had? But they plea bargained it down. So you're releasing a whole other band of criminals as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, when Joe Biden uh, did that, by the way, it, it, it affects like one person, maybe zero people who are presently incarcerated on marijuana possession charges. It's like a ridiculously low number or possibly even totally non-existent. Hey, one thing I want to remind everybody, Joe Biden, you now he talks up, oh, fun law enforcement. In the heat of the moment, he said he was a defunder. He was a defunder of law enforcement. And here it is. Cut four. Cut four. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point is but that do we agree that we can redirect some of the funding. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You hear that guy? He was speaking through one of those computers, that robot voice. He had ALS, Addy Barkin, nice guy, but uh, he has ALS and he speaks through that machine. Can we agree that there will be a redirection of the funding? Yes, absolutely. Redirection of the funding away from the police department to social services. That is textbook. That is the D, that's the definition of defund the police. And he was for it. Hey, Frank, you ever try marijuana? Never. If- and, and I grew up in the era that was big in marijuana. Never tried it. Uh, too smart for that. But, you know, let me let me point out something else to you. This thing with Eric Adams and the buses, he didn't do any complaining for a year 
when Biden was sending in them in by the plane load, did he? That's right. Right up there in Westchester. This is, um, you know, for a city like New York, we got a lot going for us. This is very manageable. This is a manageable situation. I give credit to uh, DeSantis and Abbott for uh, doing it, by the way, calling attention to it. Absolutely. Uh, it was already happening at the federal government, uh, you know, closed airports. But we could, if he was a professional, he could handle this thing. Instead, he's not. He wants to get on TV, and he's running around like a lunatic, that state of emergency and all this stuff. Uh, Joe in Bronx, the Bronx, what's up? What's up, Greg? Um, I just wanted to touch on your point about the uh, the legalization or non-legalization of marijuana. Yeah. I think it's to dumb down and take away ambition from kids. If you if, – if from 10 years from now, if you do – like the statistics, I guarantee you, academically, the kids are way below than prior generations. Yeah, well, because we know that. They're way below where they were two years ago. There's that. Hey, here's more proof. Seth Rogen, you know the comedian? When's the last time he did a funny movie? Right? <laughs> he he lost his touch with Anchorman 2. I'm sorry. That guy's been, he's been making bad movies now for a very long time. What was that silly movie, uh, Dawn of the Dead? Or uh, uh, oh gosh, it was so hideous. I had to walk out. Uh, James Franco in the Monsters Land. It's like a, a takeoff on War of the Worlds, and it's supposed to be a comedy. It would only be funny for two guys high as they put that script together, and because they're celebrities, they got the movie made. Actually, you know what was a good movie? The Interview. What? The interview uh, where they go over there and they interview uh, Kim Jong Un. That was actually a pretty funny oh, that movie. Was great. Yeah, but that's a good. That's like ten years ago. Interview. What? I don't think. I don't think it was called. The yes, interview. it was. Yes, it was. You sure. Absolutely. Weisenheimer. What? I took one time. Right. Listen to this. I took an edible, and I get very paranoid. I take it, and nothing happens. Two hours later, I said. Am I stoned? I started getting paranoid. And then all of a sudden, I, I just, like you said, I I got so nervous, I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I had to come down off it. Uh, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Hey, by the way, no, it I was don't. it was the interview. The interview came out in 2014. Sure? Yeah, I'm dead. Yeah. I, I, you make me doubt myself. <laughs> I looked it up. Thank you, Joe. Uh, all good, all good, all good. Let's do one more. Ernie is in Port Chester. Yes, sir. How you doing, Greg? Fine. Um, I was looking at the newspaper today, the Journal American. The what? Page. Uh, that's the local, you know, the Gannett group. The Journal American? Is that the... Uh... That's what it's called in Portchester, yes. Hmm. It's okay. The, it's the uh, Gannett group. Lower Hudson. Yeah. Lower Hudson. Oh, com. Uh, I've been there a million times. Okay, what's up? Friday, October 7th, on page 11A. And there's an article, United, Na- United Nations body rejects. No, I'm on the wrong page. Oh, Brittany. Brittany Griner. How do you pronounce Griner? Griner. What up? Griner. At weakest moment in parentheses. But they got a picture of her walking with the, the guards. She's about a foot tall in every one of them. And I'll be damned if I can tell what gender this person is. But they may have made a mistake. Mm. She is big, and she's got tattoos all over her. Well, hey, listen, pal, listen. I don't 
mean, she's an American, and she's in big trouble right now, and I want her home. I want her home. And Donald Trump, you know what? You know, people say, oh, she belongs over there. You know who ASAP Racky is? ASAP Racky? He's a rap star, and he was tied up in uh, in Sweden. You know who went to bat for him publicly and privately? Donald Trump got him got him brought home. Did he? Does he agree with him about everything? No. And who cares if she's tall? Who cares if she's got tattoos? Whatever's going down in her pants, I don't care. I want that woman home. I think she should be returned. Enough is enough. Shows you how little uh, little authority Joe Biden has. No respect. Uh, would you leave her alone with the picture? I understand. She doesn't look like you. No big deal. Okay. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, she's an American citizen. We're not going to make all, you know, I want her back. I'll make fun of her when she returns. Okay? Okie dokie. All right. Thank you, Ernie. Uh, it might have been a little tough on Ernie. I don't know. Look, when somebody, may, I mean, I, I just don't see what the difference is or how she looks. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, she knelt for the flag. She actually, Technically, I think she just walked out when they were playing the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, I saw a very heartbreaking video. I think it was from Florida. They're playing the, um, must have been, well, let's see. Yeah, it's school now. The the Pledge of Allegiance. There are about four kids standing up and taking the pledge in a classroom. And everybody else had their backs to the flag. Sitting down with their backs to the flag. Wow, right? And they bought all this hype, you know, the systemic racism hype, right? America is this, America is that. And this is the result. We are losing this country. We're losing it, and we're losing it fast. We got to do something about it. We, ah, gosh. Well, you can get out and vote. It's almost getting too late to give these guys money, by the way. I sure hope you gave money to Lee Zeldin. Remember, 100 people giving Lee Zeldin 10 bucks is a hell of a lot better than one guy giving him $1,000. It really is. So you can do wonders with small donations. Wonders. It matters. It matters. It matters. We, I, I, I cannot stand by and watch Kathy Hochul get elected. No way. The world is falling apart, and she's hiding at the beauty parlor. She's going to fashion shows, literally going to fashion shows. Did you see the stabbing of that guy in the Bronx? Did you see it? I mean, it's the total. It's 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 just accepted now. It's just accepted. That beautiful EMT's funeral was just accepted. We don't. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey. I just tweet, I'm about to tweet this and see how much trouble I get into. Just a little bit of trouble. White lives definitely matter. Thank you very much, Kanye West and Candace Owens. Looks like Kanye West, they're canceling concerts. They're canceling his concerts. Venues are saying you can't come here because he wore that White Lives Matter t-shirt. Uh, what else? He He's the spokesman, one of them for Adidas. Adidas sneakers. I haven't worn Adidas since fifth grade, but whatever. Um, he's saying, they're saying that that contract is under review. That contract is under review. Wow. He just went too far with that white lives matter routine, huh? (laughs) Oh gosh. Oh man. This is, this is kind of funny. Uh, all right. I can't get that tweet up fast enough. Let's see here. Uh, meantime, you remember 
And maybe you don't because no one ever talks about it. But Ashley Babbitt, that woman, the uh, Air Force veteran who was just there exercising her constitutional rights on January 6th, and uh, all hell breaks loose. I think they let those people inside the Capitol, encourage them to come in because they wanted to stop the objections to the electoral count. Not stop the electoral count, but stop the objections to the electoral count. That was the whole, that was the name of the game. And killing her basically brought the objections to a complete halt. So the good people at Judicial Watch, they are suing to uncover details of Ashley Babbitt's shooter's special housing at Joint Base Andrews? Huh. Judicial Watch. She was shot by Lieutenant Michael Byrd. A total nut job, by the way. She shoots an unarmed woman unarmed, and he gets a gold medal. It makes absolutely no sense. It's uh, Judicial Watch announced today that it filed a Freedom of Information Act FOIA lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Defense and U.S. Department of Justice for records related to the housing of U.S. Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd at Joint Base Andrews after he shot and killed U.S. Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt inside the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Judicial Watch has received information that Byrd was housed at Andrews in the immediate period after he killed Babbitt. The unarmed Babbitt was shot and killed as she allegedly climbed through a broken interior window in the United States Capitol. She was a 14-year Air Force veteran. The identity of the shooter was kept secret by Congress, the Justice Department, and D.C. police for eight months until Byrd went public in August of 2021, defending his killing of Babbitt. Judicial Watch filed suit in U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia after Joint Base Andrews, the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department, and the FBI failed to respond to three July 2022 FOIA requests about Byrd's housing at Joint Base Andrews while his name as the shooter of Ashley Babbitt was being withheld from the public by the government. In its complaint, Judicial Watch explained to the court that it had asked all three government agencies for all records relating to the billeting of Byrd at Joint Base Andrews during the period from January 6, 2021 to July of 2022? Wait a second. He was there that long? Including authorization papers, housing, meals, transportation, and visitor logs? This is rather extraordinary. This is a rather extraordinary January 6 cover-up of why the Defense Department was involved with the aftermath of the improper police killing of an unarmed woman and a veteran, said Judicial Watch President Tom Finton. Yeah, what the hell were they doing involved? All right, you want to protect the guy? Put him up in a hotel. Moving him onto an Air Force base involving the Department of Defense in all this, that is a little bit suspicious. But the real thing, the ultimate in suspicion, is the shooting itself. And if you've watched my show, you've seen by now that three Capitol Hill cops just walk away 30 seconds before she's shot. They're guarding a door. Everything's under control. People are yelling and screaming and shouting, but everything's under control. And then they decide to take a coffee break. And then things get really hairy. And she's shot and killed. My God. And nobody cares. Well, I do, and I'll never forget. And so many others as well. We'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Didn't yesterday feel like Friday? I asked a bunch of people. They all agreed with me. Yesterday felt like Friday. Today feels like it's a netherworld. I don't know. It's pretty quiet out there, too. Hey, Columbus Day is Monday, right? What's going on? Oh, that's why. It's one of the reasons why we have the big Italian spread. There's always a bit of controversy, artificial controversy now around Columbus Day. Oh, Columbus did this. Columbus did that. Hey, he discovered America. Leave him alone. 
Um, the great man took a big risk coming over here, and he deserves all kinds of credit to this day. It's another wonderful day to celebrate um, Italian-Americans. I am totally in favor of that. I don't like this nitpicking about what he did, what he didn't do. It was a different time. Big picture. He uh, went to, um, what was her name again? Queen Isabella and asked for some money to buy those ships, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, and uh, jumped in. And I guess he was looking for Asia, but he found America, North and South America. Um, Good for him. Then how many years later was it that that guy Verrazano came through here and uh, uh, and then Henry Hudson and all that stuff? Imagine being an explorer back then, and exploring was, I mean, discovering a continent. It's right here. It's How can you miss it? <laughs> it just, but, uh, no, it's a different time, and... Uh, we're we're very grateful for their contributions. You know, people to this day say, "Well, we shouldn't go to, we shouldn't go back to the moon. We should focus on the problems we have here in America. You know, fix everything here first before we go exploring, sending men to Mars and all that stuff." It's really a foolish position to have. It's like imagine if our policy was, or you know, Christopher Columbus's policy, and Isabella said to him. Uh, why don't we make Spain and Italy perfect places first before we go looking for new countries, right? To render every little uh, part of their lives perfect before they they set out to see more. That's just ludicrous. Of course, you invest in exploration. Man must explore. And um, and I'm I'm actually pretty excited that we're going back to space eventually. I mean, we couldn't even get that rocket up uh, last month to go around uh, the moon. I guess that's going to happen sometime. I hope. What, did we just forget it? Did we just blow it off? We got to get back there. I I don't like this holdup. And I don't like that the Russians, well, I do like that little rocket, but it's a too mini. It's very small. Um, I really like Tom Cotton. Great guy. Really smart. Brave. Iraq War veteran. Senator from Arkansas. And he's got a lot of smart stuff to say about Energy and Joe Biden. Cut 26. Rather than unleashing American oil production, rather than celebrating American roughnecks, they go to communists in Venezuela or they go to radical ayatollahs in Iran, hat in hand, in a humiliating display, begging them to produce just a little more oil so they can say that they're doing something about the price at the pump that is hurting so many American families. Well said, Senator. And since they know that we are hat in hand, they're not giving it. This is a time to bring us down. We've given them this amazing opportunity to cut America down to size, and they're taking advantage of it. I, w- I don't blame them. They cut our supply down by 2 million barrels a day. And Joe Biden specifically, specifically asked for, you know, as much oil as you can give us, as you would sell. We'll buy it. Nope. Not happening. How about that, huh? Hey, are you watching this? Probably not, because it's not on Core TV or anywhere else. But a guy named Daryl Brooks, who allegedly drove his car through all those people at that Christmas parade, um, I guess the Christmas before last. Do you remember this? It happened. Uh, no, wait, it was Christmas 2021. Yeah, November of 2021, uh, less than a year ago. And this guy plows into a parade, kills six people, somebody as young as seven, somebody as old as 80. And now he's defending himself in the courtroom. He's a total maniac. We believe he's uh, motivated by hatred of white people. Cut five, please. 
No, you may not, sir. You need to file a motion in order to do that. So Mr. Brooks, I filed haven't even been responded to. I gave Mr. Brooks, you're interrupting me yet again. All right. Mr. Brooks, you are now going to be removed to the other courtroom today. We are back on the record. Appearances are as they were before. I need to make a record that at 842 a.m. This court ordered Mr. Brooks be removed from the courtroom due to repeated interruptions. I also want to make a record that Mr. Brooks has put his shirt back on. He continues to sit with his back to the camera. Charges that Darrell E. Brooks on or about Sunday, November 21 of 2021 on Main Street in the city of Waukesha, Waukesha County, Wisconsin. Man, that's a tough job. What do they say when you defend yourself? When you serve as your own lawyer, you have a fool for a client. Yeah, that looks like Darrell Brooks taking his shirt off, doing all this kind of crazy stuff. Well, he's nuts. Should have pled not guilty by reason of insanity. All right, so I just put this up, and people are going nuts. White lives definitely matter, too. Thank you, Kanye. Candace Owens as well. So Candace and Kanye wore these White Lives Matter shirts to the Paris Fashion Show, one of them, and all hell is broken loose. I mean, really, everybody is everybody's met. Somebody just called me a neo-Nazi for, for tweeting this. <laughs> uh, although a lot of people agree. God God cares for all lives. Kanye is on point. Uh, somebody writes, Kanye is a very brilliant man. They hate him because he's a free thinker. And I love it that he gives just gives the elite left the middle finger. It's not Kanye with mental issues. It's the elite left with the mental issues. All right. Both of these grifters are frauds. Okay. Hey, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Uh, they're ripping on Kanye, and uh, it, it, it comes with the territory. Let's see here. All lives matter, and these two patriots are spot on with their statement. You know what's interesting? So many people think MAGA is – so many people on the left have been lied to, and they've convinced themselves that MAGA, Make America Great Again, is is racist. You know, the greatest amount of heat – and I already told you, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't bother me. Actually, I kind of get off on it, to be honest. But when people give me a hard time on Twitter, um, the most ferocious it ever got was when I was uh, making fun of Kathy Barnett. <laughs> Kathy Barnett uh, was running for the United States Senate in Pennsylvania. Now, I didn't like her for a number of reasons. Number one, she was exaggerating her resume. I didn't I think she's got talent, but she was not an appropriate nominee for that office for a lot of different reasons. And I was, and MAGA, you know, and I love MAGA. A lot of them were coming after me and they just, they were trying to shut me down. How dare you talk like this? And by the way, it's all white people. All right. It's all white people. Uh, Is that anecdotal? Sure. But um, I'm telling you that story because (laughs) hardcore MAGA even MAGA broadly and hardcore MAGA especially, not racist. It does not matter. Your color doesn't matter. Your color doesn't matter. There's a great song by uh, Divorce Posse. Your color doesn't matter. And you got to educate the racist. Well, some racists do need edu- They all need an education. Yet the color doesn't matter to uh, MAGA. Absolutely not. We got heroes out there like Candace Owens, like Kanye. And yeah, you know what? To some extent, uh, Kathy Barnett, not for the U.S. Senate, but I have no uh, beef with her anymore, although I think she's pretty sore at me. That's okay. Things in half. Let's see here. 
Greg has been and always will be a racist. Okay. Seems he doesn't care much for Jews, though. Uh Uh-oh. Did Kanye West say something anti-Semitic? Damn. So I guess police brutality is gone. Okay. I don't know what that means. Uh, Damn. uh, I think I thank Candace and Kanye for their sweaters that say white lives matter. All lives matter. You missed the point, you wood plank. That's an insult to me. Wood plank? What is that supposed to mean? Think about how soulless the Dems and illiberal left have become in the first place, that they have even came up with the BS idea of having to designate what lives matter based on race. They even objected to saying all lives matter. Heavens. Um, Is your IQ that low that you don't realize this is a racist dig on blacks? Um, I, I think my IQ actually is very, very sufficient for the occasion. And this is not a racist dig against anybody. This is, <laughs> we got to stick up for all people. It, if anything, it's a dig against Black Lives Matter, the organization, and all they stood for. You know what they stood for? Did you ever look it up? Did you ever go to their website? Did you ever talk or read anything that Patrice Colors wrote about? Or did you watch anything that she purchased? In Canada and California, high-end real estate. You know you were just scammed? The entire country was just scammed? Let's see here. Trump Owens, 2024. I like it. Uh, And it goes on like that. It goes on. That's okay. Wait, one more. Uh, Yeah. Greg Kelly exposes himself as neo-Nazi. Film at 11. Ha, ha, ha. Film at 11. I like that part. Neo-Nazi, right? See how... How cavalier they are about that. Do they know what the Nazis really did when they when they accuse me of being something like that? Hey, uh, it looks like Hunter Biden is going to escape. I would love it if he were held accountable, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Tony Bobolinsky has the goods on this guy. Who's Tony Bobolinsky? He is the professional businessman that they recruited to run their venture called Sinohawk which turned out to be, to Bobolinsky's utter consternation and horror, um, just a kind of a shell organization to get money to the Bidens. Let's see here. Cut 29. They initially uh, published a report in September 2020. Two weeks after the election in November 2020, they published a 70-page document that's publicly available to anybody that's watching this that wants to, 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 um, to review it that goes through in detail the involvement of Hunter Biden and the Biden family with knowledge of a deal that was being struck between CFC buying a $9 billion stake in the U.S.-sanctioned, Russian-controlled by Putin energy company, and writing a $9 billion check. They weren't a silent partner and, you know, we're going to put $9 million or $90 million or $900 million. They were buying a $9 billion stake, approximately 14% of Rosneft. Once again, U.S.-sanctioned, Putin-controlled Russian energy company. And Hunter Biden and the Biden family were right in the middle of all of that. That does not sound good. Tony goes on. Cut 30. The facts matter. Um, and the American people deserve to know them and, um, and verify them and ask their senators and congressmen to verify them and ultimately uh, hold the uh, Biden family and uh, the current administration accountable for them. Imagine this. To this day, two years, Joe Biden has yet to be asked, did he ever meet with me? Not one time. Not one time.
That's pretty fascinating. Did he ever meet? Did you ever meet with Tony Bobolinsky? That's a pretty straightforward question. And Joe Biden is surrounded by media all the time. Oh man, maybe I should. Who was that guy who told me I should go down there? Maybe I should go down there and get credentialed. Maybe mm, let me. I'm gonna make a phone call. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. A lot of shows around here. We got the Larry Kudlow Show. Larry Kudlow, Lawrence Kudlow. I remember this guy on television commercials when I was growing up. I think he was the chief economist for Bear Stearns. And I'm like, who is this guy? He's in commercials. He's got to be. This guy's got to be really, really good because I never saw an economist in a commercial and he's walking around uh, the floor of the stock exchange. I didn't know what he was talking about. I was, uh, but, uh, oh, he looked like a tycoon. You know what I mean? He looked like a. He looked like a uh, benign Gordon Gecko, you know, definitely had the slick back hair and, you know, the whole the pinstripe routine. It looked cool, but like Gordon Gecko, but nicer. Anyway, I was intrigued with him back then. Then I I saw him on the uh, what was that show again? The McLaughlin group. He always had smart stuff to say. Uh, And then I got to know him. Uh, Brilliant man. Uh, And nobody knows the economy better than he does. Donald Trump made him the. Guess what was his actual title? He wasn't OMB. I think he was the uh, head of the um, Economic Council. Was that it? Yeah. And uh, he's got his finger on the pulse. He stayed the entire four years, by the way. And it shows you what talent he has. You know, let's face it. You know, Donald Trump is a he's a great guy, but, you know, he's a tough boss. And some of the best, uh, most effective people are pretty tough bosses. And and Cudlow was there the entire time. Let me hear what he says here, please. Cut 17 on the energy situation. In two years, really less than two years, what the Bidens have done with their very extreme climate uh, radicalism is they've taken the power of energy away from the United States and given it back to the Saudis and OPEC and Russia in under two years. And that's a very powerful power, I might add. So the consequences all flow from that. They're trying to make it up by wrecking the strategic petroleum reserve. Hmm. Devastating assessment. Tell me more, Larry. Cut 18. This is reminiscent of the days in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and even the 2000s of every OPEC meeting was surrounded with drama and world, you know, looking at this thing for financial markets and the economy and gasoline prices because they had the power. Mm -hmm. I mean, they actually had oil embargoes. That's why we had the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in the first place, to guard against that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So the Saudis gave us the back of their hand, helped Russia... We are now turning to Venezuela and Iran. We're still trying to make a deal in Iran, which goes against all the interests of the Gulf states and Israel. Uh, Venezuela, of course, is a communist country. Wow. You know, it's, he's right. Gosh, when's the last time you heard about OPEC? I remember OPEC as a kid. If OPEC this, OPEC that. Those, those guys with their, um, what do you call those things? Those headdresses, whatever they are. You know, all the Saudis, all the Arabs sitting around that table determining our future. And then they kind of fell off the map. Nobody talks about OPEC anymore until now when it seems like they have the the upper hand here. Cut 19. For election year political price fixing reasons, they have depleted our strategic petroleum reserve. That is a pathetic response 
and it is a response that damages our national security because we're going to need that thing over time. And look, we've managed, let's make no mistake here, we have turned the Saudis toward Russia. Yep. And that is a direct consequence of the Americans turning towards okay. Iran. And now we're going into Venezuela. Wow. Larry's on fire. OPEC. OPEC. What does it even stand for? I actually, I'm going to go back. I'm not Googling this. I think it stands for Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. I think so. Give me one more from Larry, please. Larry Kudlow. They've never provided the Greenies an alternative structure to replace fossil fuels. Correct. They've never shown yeah. us that. And they're still running, in terms of total power, about 5% maybe of the total. Fossil fuels still running about 80% of the total. And that is true worldwide. All these hundreds of billions of dollars of spending and investment tax credits have not moved the meter at all. Thank you, Larry Kudlow. Very, very smart. Very insightful. Oh, and I was right. Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. And we were actually one of those countries, not in OPEC, but we were exporting petroleum because we had so much of it. Not anymore. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, what's the nicest hotel in all of New York? The nicest hotel. Well, the most expensive hotel is the the one in the Crown Building, the uh, the Amman. I, I only heard about it recently. The Crown Building is on Fifth Avenue, uh, just north, I believe, of 57th Street. Yeah, it's a nice-looking building. must be crazy nice inside. You can join it as a club, and it costs $100,000. Um, it's got a pool table and a pool. Um, what else does it have? Food? That does not seem... I don't understand this, uh, the initiation fees for these clubs. Uh, country club. A friend of mine joined a country club. I, I, I said, you got to get your head examined. You know how much of the... $80,000. He wrote a check for 80000 Number one, I didn't know he had that kind of money. Number two, eight, just to show up. And you got to pay for everything once you're there. It's not like it's all you can eat. They, they, they keep track of your every move. No thank you. Um, all right, so OPEC, I was right. Just one more thing here. The OPEC Secretary General, his name is Prince Aziz. He gets really nasty here with the reporter. Let's uh, let's hear this. He also lowered the standing. Are you using energy as a weapon? It was a question that he denied. But there are the people in Washington and in the White House who right now are looking at the cuts that OPEC Plus is making, and they are saying that this is an aggressive move by OPEC, and they're – very, very curious to understand why this organization that they call a cartel is moving against the United States and Europe. Does he say anything in his defense? A lot of folks would say that by this action, by these cuts, you, you, you are uh, endangering global energy markets, you are endangering the global economy. What's the response there, sirs? If you permit me, Royal Alliance, we are not endangering the energy markets. We are providing security stability to the energy markets. At a price. Uh, everything has a price. Energy security has a price as well. Well, it wasn't as nasty as I was told. Uh, everything does have a price. Um, well, this is, this is how you get treated when you have a weak leader, a rudderless administration that engages in lie after lie after lie. 
Uh, we don't command respect on the world stage. And it doesn't have to be that way. And no respect locally, at least from me, to uh, to Ewick, Ewick Adams. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Cut 35, please. Cut 35. New Yorkers are angry. I am angry, too. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. This responsibility was simply handed to us without warning as buses began showing up. Oh, the buses, the dreaded buses. What about the criminals on the subway platforms? What What about the subway system has become unrideable? Thanks to you, de Blasio, the woke left. Huh? We don't care about these buses. And by the way, I see the NYPD is, uh, has been assigned to write them tickets. It's like, yeah, you can get anybody in anything. So they send the cops out to write tickets on these guys. V- very much like Trump, you know, find something on them. Find something on them. And that's what they do. But however, they've had no luck finding anything on them. One more. Uh, cut 36. There's no playbook for this. No precedent. But despite all this, our city's response has been nothing short of heroic. What does that even mean? And, and He's acting like this is uh, on par with 9-11. No precedent for this. I mean, thousands, tens of thousands of people come to New York every single day. Go to the airports. What? Wait, you can't handle a few buses. Uh, ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous, but we're not going to let it get us down because it's Friday. And Barbara, our resident intellectual from Long Island, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, Greg. I'm glad to be branded that because I've been called a lot of more inaccurate things. (laughs) And that's pretty inaccurate. I know a lot about I know a little about a lot of things, but I'm learning every day. All right. Well, you're good with the books as far as I'm concerned. So what's up? Okay, well, I just have to say about your show last night, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the only place where I have seen anyone show that footage of what was going on as they began to count the Electoral College votes. And that footage is so important. And then last night when you tied in the timeline of when that that started, when they were counting the electoral votes, to when they started to welcome people into the Capitol. And then an hour later, Ashley Babbitt was killed as those three guards just sauntered deliberately away from where they would have prevented that shooting. Thank you. Thank you. That was no. Well, well, thank you for noticing. And a lot of people are noticing that they're like, wow, wait a second. You're putting you're putting this in a whole new perspective for us. And let me just Tell everybody again, you hear the left complaining all the time. Oh, the MAGA people. Oh, the insurrectionists. They were there to stop the counting of electoral votes. No, they get it all wrong. So the objections, the objections, the legal objections and the procedure as laid out in the Electoral Count Act of 1887 was unfolding according to law. And if a congressman rises joined by a senator, and they have a written uh, complaint about the electoral count, the electoral count stops, and there is a debate. And they were successfully objecting. And then they started letting people inside the Capitol. They could not allow those objections to continue. And an hour later, Ashley Babbitt is shot and killed. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I really, quite frankly, feel like I'm the only one uh, who's, uh, who's... tied it all together. I mean, a lot of people know this. A lot of people who are there who are not insurrectionists, by the way, and uh, and other keen observers. But 
Um, thank you for that, Barbara. I'll keep it up, and I may have to repeat it because uh, just I think that's a very important message, and we're 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 also still doing research and learning a lot about January sixth. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Vic in Pennsylvania. Yes, Vic. Yeah, hi, Greg. Uh, you know, in regards to uh, uh, Brandon, it, God forbid if if Russia ever used nuclear weapons in uh, Ukraine, you know what would be done? Not a damn thing. And he would prove what a paper tiger he is, because we would be leaving ourselves open to everyone. Well, I got to tell you, man, it's uh, it's a tough one. If they do use nuclear weapons in Ukraine, now I know they have contingency plans and they've been thinking about stuff like this for a long time. But if it happens, I mean, the our response, it's not an easy it's not it's not an easy one. You know, what do we break out our nuclear weapons and start bombing Russian cities? Is that what we do? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what the hell we're supposed to do. It's a tough one. I know that Joe Biden's not up to the task of deciding what to do. But you know what I mean, Vic? I mean, I you know, I, it's not such a, you know, we will respond in kind. You know, just because these barbarians use a nuclear weapon, does that mean we have to? I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, if you don't know, we know Brandon doesn't know, so. I mean, just what your what 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 does your gut tell you? You know, they use nuclear they use a nuclear bomb. Let's say I don't know, ten thousand, twenty thousand people are killed. Let's say it's a tactical battlefield nuclear device, which is you know not a not a huge nuclear bomb, but it's like ten atomic bombs. What the hell are we? What do you do? What do you do? You're the president. Tell me. Well, if they do that and it's tactical, I respond in kind with a tactical. A nuclear weapon, you know, battlefield. You ready to kill innocent women and children with that thing? If they're willing to kill innocent women and children here or wherever, then I, we I, we have to respond in kind. I don't know about that, man. I mean, look, I'm all about, you know, you hit us. You hit us with a knife. We come at you with a gun. I get that principle. And, you know, but I'm not about to uh, support the killing of women and children, innocent women and children. No way. So it's a tough one. It's tricky. It's tricky. And you start. You don't want to get to this point. We should never be. We shouldn't be this close. You got to pick yeah. a leader that they don't even want to mess with. Because when they start messing with you, it gets very, very ugly. It really. I don't know what the hell. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. I don't want that on my brain. Can you imagine that, man? Can you imagine that if they dropped a nuclear bomb on uh, on on Long Island? Come on. I we jeez. All the people who would die. Anyway, I don't know, Vic. I don't know. I want you to think on that one, too. All right? Respond in kind. You know, it, right. sounds, it sounds like, you know, I know what you mean. That's what, that's what you say on cable TV. That's what, you know, that, you talk tough. But think about the implications. Think about what, and we're going to let that savage beast, Putin. Now, I can call him a savage beast. I'm not the president. If the president shouldn't be calling him things like that, although he is. Uh, I preferred it when we had Donald Trump, who could speak to him almost as a peer. You know what I mean? On the same level. Everybody knows that Joe Biden is, well, we know, we know. Thank you, pal. Uh, Sandra in New Jersey. Hi. Phone Friday, you know? How are you? Good. How are you doing? Um, You know, my husband was really disturbed by something that happened recently. Um, This organic chemistry professor, Maitland Jones, he was, um, his job was terminated because, 82 out of 300 students wrote a petition 
saying that his course was too difficult. Yeah. And these students want to go to medical school. Now, he was trying to do problem solving versus memorization. He is trying to make them think. So by dismissing this teacher, aren't you lowering the standards of excellence? You would think so. You would think so. But look, we only know so much about this story. I saw it in the New York Times as well. I did something on it on television. He's an 84-year-old professor, been around for decades. He's written, like, the influential textbook on organic chemistry, which is the class you got to take to see if you've got what it takes to uh, survive and thrive and succeed in medical school. And he said, he observed, I found this the most fascinating part of the story. About 10 years ago, he noticed that students, their concentration abilities started to uh, decline. They were distracted, and, and then after the COVID, they don't even know how to study. I found that part really, really interesting. Uh, but, yeah, he was uh, not about to uh, relinquish his standards and that kind of thing. So, hey, I will say this. You know, there was some uh, grumbling about they needed more technology to learn. Uh, and I showed on TV. I don't, know if you, I, I, I don't know if you saw my show that night, but I showed a classroom from 2022, a college classroom from 2022. And then I put another picture up of a college classroom in uh, 1922, and there's almost no difference. You know, there's a guy in front of a big group of people. And I, I don't know if that's the most efficient way to convey information anymore. I Actually, I know it's not. I know it's not. And it's interesting that we, we still teach in this way that was developed hundreds of years ago. Listen to some guy drone on. The the, the the most learning I've ever done was self-taught, and especially like those modules, especially in aviation. I, I just and and I really did well in these things. You could just study as much as it took, and you follow the the program. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever take those uh, little courses where they teach you? It's a, it's a self-taught kind of program. I of course I've taken courses like that. My husband also is a pilot or was a pilot. And he used to do all these courses, and he did them by himself, and, and he became a pilot. I mean, that's pretty awesome when you think about it. And I just wonder, sitting around listening to 84-year-old Professor Maitland Jones, nothing wrong with being 84, but something mm-hmm. tells me this guy was not keeping up with the cutting edge of uh, technology and how to engage students. I mean, you know, look, yeah. you can't just – no, I'm sorry. You can't just blame the students on this one. Everything has gotten faster. Everything has gotten faster. And to just stand there and talk for, I don't know what his method was, but, you know, you got to update education, academia especially, and they're always dragging their feet. So I feel bad for the guy, but uh, don't worry about him. He already retired from Princeton, and he's got a great big fat pension, and he's going to be great. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. Sandra, it's not the answer you were looking for. No, no, no. I just think that students should welcome challenge, and and I think the old way worked for so many brilliant people. I don't see why it should be any different now, but I hear what you're saying. Well, look, and just remember this. Remember this. We read it in the newspaper, right? Mm -hmm. It was in the New York Times. There's a million things. Anytime I've ever been written about, they get half the story is wrong, you know, and the part that is right is just lacking total context and nuance and and you nobody really understands from the outside what's really going on so 
Anyway, have a great weekend. I always love hearing from you, Sandra. Uh, best Thank to the you. brother. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. About Bernard McGurk, Bernie, man, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him dearly. We'll have some special programming on Tuesday. And tributes have been coming in from all over the world and uh, from all over the uh, the audience, uh, the radio audience, and people going to WABC, our website, and, and leaving behind beautiful messages. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a different radio station. We're going to get through this, but uh, it is going to be tough. Hey, do you like uh, do you like the Discovery Channel? Do you like watching nature documentary? I just saw this incredible video. Do you know how? You know, giraffes can be pretty nasty with each other. Giraffes. And do you know how they fight? They fight with their necks. They got these long necks, and they use them like belts, like whips. And they 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 fight with their necks. It's really an amazing thing to watch. Who knew? And they're also very, very doting, very, very caring for the baby giraffe. More so, and maybe it just looks that way, because to take care of the baby giraffe, they have to dip all the way over. And uh, anyway, it's it's really nice. Looking at these videos, let's face it, it's better than going to the zoo. The zoo can be such a disappointment. The animal's always in the back. You know, you, you just you never really get to see. Uh, sometimes you do, but uh, it's better looking on, on Instagram. And sometimes the tiger charges. The, you know, all the best moments that ever happened to the zoo are available on Instagram. Uh, tonight, what am I doing tonight? <laughs> oh, boy. The Newsmax Show. Uh, talking about feeding the beast. It's going to be a great one. We're still putting it together. I am going to. We're going to really go through all of the, well, this doesn't sound sounds like history, but Joe Biden, just how irresponsible was that saying that uh, we are facing nuclear Armageddon right now uh, because Putin is um, making noise about nuclear weapons. Uh, we've been here. <laughs> we've been in much worse circumstances. He said this is the worst it's been. Greatest tension in nuclear terms since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now that's flat out wrong, and we will prove it tonight. We'll have some uh, we'll have some fun along the way. Um, let's see. Hey, Kevin, anything going on in the sports world this uh, this weekend? Anything I should know about? Uh, well, the uh, New York Mets start their uh, National League Wild Card Series tonight in the playoffs. The playoffs oh. start tonight for them. Goodness gracious! So they're in the playoffs in a weird way. Now, do me a favor. How many games did they win, and how many did they lose? What place did they come in? Like third place, right? So the Mets came in second place in their division. They won 101 games this season and so, lost 61. That's actually a pretty good record. Yeah, I huh. agree. Hmm. The Yankees finished with 99 wins and 63 losses. See, and, and they're definitely going, right? They don't have to go to the wild card. Yeah, they won their division, so they're <laughs> off until Tuesday. You see how goofy this system is, quite frankly? You know, the Mets had a better season than the Yankees, yet the Yankees are guaranteed a seat. Why don't we call it the pennant anymore? It used to be called the pennant. Now it's called the the World Championships, right? Before this, what, what, what's that? Why, why did they get rid of the word pennant? Yes, it's just modernization of the game. You know, they, they, they it changed was, it over time. It wasn't an antique word. It was, there was nothing old-timey about it. Um, all right, so where are they going to play tonight? So tonight the Mets will be home in Queens. They will be hosting the San Diego Padres at 8 o'clock. Hosting the San Diego. Hello. Welcome to City Field. How welcome, Padres. Hosting. I just They're playing Mets versus Padres. What else do I know about the Padres? They're going to bring that silly chicken. You don't see Mr. Met anymore. You don't see the chicken. Whatever happened to the baseball mascots? 
The Mr. Met is still there, absolutely. Didn't they have problems with him, like a human resources thing? Seriously, something happened with that guy. What? what? Yeah, I believe he flipped off somebody yeah. at Mr. Met. That's <laughs> right. He gave the middle finger to a fan or somebody about, about, about 10 years ago. Correct. And it started a big, big hullabaloo. And then, uh, gosh, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Uh, why don't they have, here's a good question, why don't they have the vehicle that brings the pitcher to the mound, the relief pitcher? Remember, they used to have the, the little a car would deliver the pitcher. And they had like a golf cart with the, that was in the shape of a baseball. The Yankees had like a, a pinstripe, like Toyota or something, whoever the sponsor was. They gave the pitcher a ride. And then who was that jerk pitcher who was always drinking and he came, came charging out? He came running top speed, which is the dumbest thing in the world because you're out of breath. Who was that guy? John Rocker, I believe. Yeah, him. I think he ruined it. I mean, why not take the car? Why didn't they do Why, why did they get rid of the car? And why am I asking all of you these questions? I mean, I, I, somehow I'm assuming that you're the baseball guy. Right, do you know much more about baseball than the average person? I mean, I do my best, you know. I mean, whenever Mets and Yankees news comes out, I mean, I've been following the sport my entire life. I mean, all right, like to think I do, yeah. Mm, not exactly a ringing endorsement of yourself there. But uh, no, that's good. That's good. What time is the game starting tonight? The game starts at 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Right. You know, I'm talking to you, and poor Joe has been on the phone for 50 minutes. Hello, Joe. Joe. Hello, Hi. Uh, listen, as far as, as far as Mayor Adams saying that he didn't, he, we didn't sign up for this, I don't think any American signed up for this with the immigrants, with the illegal immigrants. You go to a Social Security office, you go to a government agency – if they can't see you, they tell you to come back. It should be the same way with the asylum seekers. We have too many now. Just can't. If the law says they need to be detained until they're hearing. I know. I know what it's like, Joe. Joe, have a great weekend. Everybody else, too. I'll see you tonight on the Newsmax program. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.